Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been tremendously blessed just going through this and studying this and reminding myself of, you know, the person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in my own life. And I have cried out to the Holy Spirit, I don't know how many times this week, just please, please, Holy Spirit, help me through this one. And so um, we are going to get started uh, tonight. I'm excited because we're talking about spirit baptism. So we talked about the wild goose. Uh, we did two parts because it was just a lot of information, and I didn't want to do a, a full hour with you guys and have you fallen asleep. So I thought if we did two 30-minute sessions, it would be perfect. And so uh, we broke that into two sections. Uh, and we know the wild goose, the Holy Spirit in our life, he's untamable, he's untrackable, and we are to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, I'm really excited because spirit baptism is definitely something that's on my heart uh, quite a bit because I think it's absolutely essential for the Christian life. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I really do. I think it's absolutely essential for the Christian life. And I want to read to you a passage, and I don't have this actually in my notes or on the overhead here. I apologize. I just thought about it um, as I was just kind of praying through this evening, uh, this afternoon. Um, it, it's out of Acts chapter 17. Um, and it says this, uh, Acts chapter 17, 6, it says, Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas, listen, here it is, have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home and they're all guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to, other king, to another king named Jesus. Another translation says it this way. They flipped the world upside down. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I have a strong desire to flip the world upside down for Jesus. I, I want to disturb the world in a good way for Jesus. And so we're going to learn how to do that. And it actually is not in our own power, not by my might, nor by my power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. And so let's just pray real quick, and we're going to jump right into this. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God, that you are a righteous God, that you are a just God, and that you are a good God. And your loving kindness never fails. And so, Father, we just humbly come tonight to your feet, to rest at your feet, to learn from you, to, to glean from you, so that we might fall more madly in love with you, so that we might touch lives for your name's sake. And so, Father, have your way in this meeting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism is our topic tonight. What is it? Do you have it? Why should you care? And how do you get it? Those are the questions that I really want to answer tonight for you and with you. And so the greatest promise uh, that the world uh, that God ever made to the world is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest promise ever made to the world. The greatest promise ever made to the church 
is Acts chapter one, verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The first was made about Jesus, but the second was made by Jesus. The first has to do with being made new, that that regeneration, that new creation, being saved. But the second has to do with being made effective, that unction. Both are absolutely necessary for the Christian. The first is the means by which we become Christians, but the second is the means by which we live faithful and fruitful lives for Jesus. The first is putting our faith in Christ, but the second is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the first is, is, uh, is made evident through water baptism, but the second results in evidence of power in our life. And so way back at the beginning of Luke's gospel, John the Baptist said this. He said, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming, who is mightier than I, I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's in Luke 3, uh, 16. And then he goes on at the very end of his gospel, in Luke's gospel, the closing chapter. And Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, at this point, the disciples were already converted. We kind of settled this matter last week when we read John or we talked about John chapter 20, verse 22. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. He comes back and he's with his disciples. And he literally, in John 20, 22, it says he, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was in them. They were Christians. And so what happens there is that the Holy Spirit literally comes into them. Now, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that causes us to be born again, regenerated new creations where we're saved. We're brought into the family of God. And you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit being inside of you. This is what Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter eight. He says, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 9, and 16. And so if you're a Christian today, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But there is a second work of the Holy Spirit. There's a second experience of the Holy Spirit for the Christian. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or you begin to experience, or you're baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said to the disciples who had the Spirit in them, by the way, behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And this is what Jesus said to them as they were Christians in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I make that point because I want you to understand that there's two works of the Holy Spirit here. There's the in and then there's the upon. And we also talked about the para, which is the coming alongside, which thank you, Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit coming alongside of our lives and helping us out. But we're talking about the upon experience not the in experience. The in experience has to do with that salvation, but that upon experience has to do with that powering, enabling, filling, that, that, that unction. It's, it's what makes us faithful and fruitful Christian witnesses. And Jesus said that the result of being baptized with the Holy Spirit would be, this is what he says, I'll read the entirety of Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. 
both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. So being baptized in the spirit is so necessary, so vital for the Christian life. And it's so vital for our witness as well as our mission. And he is so much so that he forbid the disciples from doing anything. Remember, he's like, he's, he says right here, don't go any, don't do anything. Wait right here until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I imagine they're in that upper room and they're praying. There's, there's, I can't remember how many, 120 of them there in the upper room praying. And I imagine day one passes, you know, and they're like, Jesus said to wait. I'm, I'm sure he's coming any day. Now the Holy Spirit's going to come. Day number two passes. Day number three passes. I mean, it took days and days and days, but finally the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and radical things happen literally the world was being flipped upside down. Now there's something that happens when we get baptized with the Holy Spirit and it truly affects our witness. There's things that happen in our mission. Number one, we're exalting Christ like no other. We are exalting Christ like no other. Remember we talked about week number one, how the Holy Spirit has a passion for Jesus. He's always pointing people to Jesus. That means we too, when we're filled with that Holy Spirit, when that Holy Spirit comes upon us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are exalting Christ. We are living holy, separated lives. And we are literally on mission going after it, whatever that might look like in your life. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples with power, literally everything changed. I mean, literally. You guys remember the story in Acts chapter one and two. I mean, it's, it's exciting to kind of read through and, and, you know, they're waiting for Pentecost, you know, the, to, to celebrate, you know, and they're waiting for Pentecost there and the Holy Spirit comes upon and all of a sudden, boom, radical things start happening. They're speaking in tongues and people are hearing them in their own languages and people are getting saved left and right. Peter goes from denying Jesus to proclaiming Jesus. The disciples go from being unsure and fearful to boldness and just going after the things of God. And that's exactly, Exactly what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is a power from on high. And this was actually the same experience Jesus had with the Holy Spirit. You remember in Luke chapter three, it tells us that when he began his ministry, it says this, that the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Hmm. It also says that the father spoke from heaven saying, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Every Christian needs to have these two things settled. That upon experience of the Holy Spirit that Jesus got, but also that identity that Jesus got. This is my son and who I am well pleased. That's the in experience. When you become a Christian, you become a son of God in the family of God. And we've got to have those two things settled in our heart and in our mind. Now, if the son of God who was perfect, without sin, unblemished, needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do his ministry, I think I might need a little bit of power to do my ministry. And there is the Holy Spirit converting us, and then there is the Holy Spirit filling us up. Two different experiences. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit in them, but not every Christian has the Holy Spirit upon them for the filling and for the power and fruitful witness. But it's available to every Christian. It's available to every Christian. Here, here's, I want to read to you the testimony of the book of Acts because I've, I've, I've had a lot of pushback when it comes to this particular topic from a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
Well, they're like, no, no, no. Okay, it's one experience. The Holy Spirit comes in you and that's it. I'm like, no, no, no. I, when I read through the book of Acts, it doesn't seem to me that that's the case. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so I wanna show you through scripture exactly what it's like. So you've got the disciples who are already Christians and then in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two, we see the Holy Spirit come upon them. They're already converted, okay? So th th there's one example. And then there's another example in Acts chapter 18, uh, 14 through seven, or excuse me, eight, 14 through 17. I believe I put that one up there. So we can, you can follow along with me here as I read it. Acts chapter eight, verse 14 through 17. Let's read this here. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. There is another example of how you've got Christians that are saved, converted, sons of God in the body of Christ, but yet are not filled or have the upon experience of the Holy Spirit. Another one. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. This is the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. Let's read this together. Oh, excuse me. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judah. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias laid hands on Paul so Saul at the time, so that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's another example in Acts chapter 19. If you want to flip over there with me, Acts chapter 19, verses one through six, it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled throughout the interior uh, regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the spirit when you believed? He asked them. N no, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, well, the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied there were about 12 men in all. 
And I say all of this because it shows us that sometimes people are born again and the spirit is in them, but they don't receive the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them until a later time. And if this new experience hadn't been given, the Samaritan and, and the Ephesian Christians would still have been Christians, yes, but they would have remained weak. And Paul would have never been the Paul he is that we know today. And this is the state of many Christians today. And I believe that we have an opportunity before us, not an opportunity to become famous. Like that's the last thing I wanna do is become famous. I wanna make Jesus famous. And we have an opportunity of a lifetime to literally flip the world upside down right now. There is so much going on in the world right now where you know people are confused, people are concerned, people are looking for something that actually is going to resolve the situation and fix the situation, and they're, they're, they're losing hope. But we have the opportunity to come and to disturb the world and to literally flip the world upside down. And I wanna encourage you that we cannot do this in and of ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Even as Christians who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said this last week, you know, I, I, I get it. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Great. We often leak and we got to get refilled because we leak so much and that's okay. We need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we can't go in our own might. We'll fall short. We want to see radical lives change. We want to see things happen. We want to see miracles. We want to see people who were broken and desolate and lost found. We want to see rich men and women who think they have it all together, realize they don't and give their lives to Jesus and start expanding the kingdom from their culture that they're living in. That's what we want to see. And we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do that. We can't do it on our own strength. Sometimes it happens at the same time, that baptism. Cornelius is an example of this in Acts chapter 10. You remember when Peter had that radical vision and, and, and Peter's like, there's no way, God, I'm doing that. You know, I'm better than that, God. And God's like, no, 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 go talk to Cornelius and his family. And so he does. And, and, and it says that he got saved and literally was baptized with the Holy Spirit all at the same time. So it can happen at the same time. But my question is, how do you know whether or not you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? How do you know? Well, let me just share with you my experience. It's kind of a weird experience, actually. Um, I grew up in, a, in a, a, a bit of a charismatic church, and so I understood what baptism of the Holy Spirit meant. And I was one of those kids that uh, would make fun of it a lot, especially the manifestations that often have it, you know, happened. And my brother and I would just like look at ourselves, each other, and just like, what is this all about? This is weird, man. Like, and so I, I, through, through life, I had seen certain things, but I never experienced anything really myself. And I was in the military, and I remember being in the barracks in Hawaii where I was stationed, and I remember watching John Hagee. Has anybody ever watched John Hagee? I mean, he's, he's a spitfire. He, he really is. And, and I, I don't even know why I was watching him that night. I had no idea. I think I was sitting in my room, and just because I, I, I was just tired of, of going through the motions. I was tired of this where I would be flying right, flying right, flying right, and then I would fall into sin again and fall into sin again and fall into sin, only to cry out to God to, and then start flying right, flying right. And I was in this vicious circle, and I was just fed up with it. And so I found myself there on a Friday night when all the guys went out drinking at the bars and I was just sitting in my barracks, you know, going, Lord, what are we doing? And I turned it on and, and John Hagee was on. So I began to listen to him. And then all of a sudden I lifted my hands and the Holy Spirit just came upon me like that. And I began to radically speak in tongues. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew that the Holy Spirit, just, and nobody, I'm not trying to put on a show because nobody's there 
right? I'm all by myself. And the next thing I know is literally I go to the ship. We, we were called to the ship. So I go down to the ship and I walk down to the birthing area uh, where they play the training videos, you know, the great movies that we should not watch. And they're watching one. And I went and I turned off the TV and I sat and I said, hey, listen, Jesus loves every last one of you. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, bro, like we, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus. And I just started preaching the gospel everywhere I went to everybody I could. I was so excited about Jesus. I was so excited. I was just on fire for Jesus. To me, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit did. Literally, when I left the ship, they told me, bro, we're going to see you in 10 years on TBN. We know it. <laughs> I'm like, if that's what the Lord wants, that's what he's, I'm, I'm okay with that. I just got so excited. And that's what happens when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. You just get a boldness and there's a fruitfulness and a faithfulness that just rises up like a lion that just can't be tamed. So like the disciples, I experienced a radical transformation. And I was a Christian. I really believe I was a Christian. I know I was. If I would have died, I would have been in heaven by the skin of my teeth, but I would have been in heaven. And I went from, from sort of this weak Christian where they knew I was a Christian. Most people on the ship knew I was a Christian, but they really knew <laughs> I was a Christian after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was vibrant, fruitful, and faithful, following and witnessing Jesus Christ to everyone I saw. And when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're enabled, we're empowered to live our lives for Jesus like no other. Exalting Jesus, growing in holiness, uh, engaging in mission. And it is possible to have much of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life because he's in you, but come short of the fullness of his work because he hasn't yet come upon you. I shared with you guys Moody, uh, Moody's story last week a little bit where, you know, Moody was an evangelist, uh, D.L. Moody, and he was evangelizing, but there was two ladies that stopped him on the road one day and literally taught him about the Holy Spirit. It was almost like one of these acts encounters where they're like, he's like, what are you talking about? And they prayed and he received the power of the Holy Spirit on his life and he went and made a huge impact for the glory of God. That's the story of D.L. Moody, a beautiful story. If you ever get a chance, just Google it. You can find it. It's a it's a radical story. But what are some barriers to spirit baptism? What are some things that would keep us from truly experiencing that secondary experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I would say this. Number one, ignorance. When you read through the book of Acts, there were some people that just had no idea. They had no clue. And maybe you've been raised in a church where that was never talked about. It was never experienced. That You never saw anything about it. And so number one is ignorance. But number two, there might be a refusal <laughs> to yield our will. That's a hard thing to do sometimes, to let go and allow God. That's a challenging thing to do sometimes, especially when you, when you see somebody else experience and maybe manifest something that you're like, I don't know if I want that. I'm not sure about that. It's a challenge to just surrender our will to God. A refusal to repent of sin would hold us back from truly experiencing the spirit baptism or wrong motive. Remember what Jesus said, and in fact, James, you know, you, you, you ask and you will receive, but James says, you ask with the wrong motives, you know? And there's a story with the sorcerer in, in the book of Acts of how he was like, wow, those guys are killing it over there. Look at all the people watching them. Can I get some of that? Yeah, baptize me too. I want some of that. Like wrong motives. That's not the purpose of this, wrong motives. And so what must be done? Well, number one, we need to recognize our need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, it's vital, guys. We have to have it. 
Number two, we have to be willing to forsake the sin that's holding us back from pursuing God's will. We don't need the power. We don't need holiness. Yes, you do. And we have to be willing to surrender our will to God's. We need that power. And number four, we have to be willing to ask. What, is, what does Luke say? In, in uh, chapter 11, verse 9, he says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Excuse me, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, suppose one of you, one of you uh, fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He's not going to give you a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he won't give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 1 John chapter 5, verses 4, 14 through 15. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked him. That's beautiful. If we go to the father and just simply, Lord, you know my life. I need power from on high, Lord. I can't do this myself. He's faithful and he hears our cry. What will happen when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, how, how will you know you receive it? Well, number one, you know you receive it by faith. Just like the Christian life, it's, it, we live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Number two, possible signs. Pentecost, there was tongues, an immediate witness. Paul, there was immediate fruitful change. I mean, everybody and their mother was like, there's no, Paul, Saul, that guy, no way. There was immediate and fruitful change in Paul's life. For the believers in Ephesus, there was tongues and prophesying. The household of Cornelius, there was prophesying tongues and worship. For the believers in Samaria, there was no documented immediate accompanying sign whatsoever. It's all different. I can't box it up and say, uh, you know, like some of us do sometimes, some brothers and sisters in the Lord saying, well, if, you, if you're baptized in the spirit, you have to speak in tongues. I, and I, I've debated people on that and talked to people on that and they're good brothers and sisters. And I, I don't know. For me, I don't see that in scripture. I just read to you what I see in scripture. There's sometimes that did happen. There's sometimes that didn't happen. So I don't know. And then number three, you'll experience future faithful and fruitful living. How many of us want to experience fruitful and faithful living? We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we shouldn't expect everyone to have the same experience or the same sign or the same feelings. You know, uh, what was it when we were, when I was younger and involved in ministry, it's like we would, yeah, it, we needed Jesus is what we needed, but we would say, okay, just say, I want to buy a Honda like several times over and over again. I want to buy a Honda, I want to buy a Honda. Yeah, 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 you got it. Like I, I was young and experienced and trying to do the right thing, but I think I might've missed the mark on that one. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus help me. <laughs> Baptism with the Holy Spirit is not an optional thing. It's not an optional thing. We're actually commanded to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But what did Jesus say? Don't go anywhere until you get that Holy Spirit upon you. 
And then what does Paul say in Ephesians? Be being filled. You guys know that Greek, you know, where it's constantly being filled. Paul commanded it. Jesus commanded us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an optional thing. Baptism with the Holy Spirit is not a reward. It's not like, Lord, I, you know what I've been doing. I, I, I led 10 people to the Lord this week. Give it to me, give it to me. No, it's not a gift. No, I mean, rather, it's, it's, it is a gift. It's not a reward. It's a gift from God. He is a faithful father. If you ask, he will give it to you. It's a promise of the loving father. It's not something that we have to convince him to give us. And I want to spend a little bit of time as we conclude here praying for each other because it talks about just asking. And so I think it'd be uh, great if, if we could be the body of Christ tonight and, you know, we don't have to do anything up here up front. There's time for that. Uh, but tonight, how about we just reach out and touch one another and begin to pray if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to conclude with this. Baptism with the Holy Spirit is for you. It's not exclusive. It's not for the A-team. It's not for the rock stars. It's not for the amazing leaders that you see sometimes up here. It's for all Christians. It's for you. All believers are told to expect it in Acts chapter 238. It's available immediately, not just for the mature or spiritual, super spiritual or the accomplished. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something to have, but it's something to help to be used for Christ's glory. And I want to, I want to say this. It's, it, it, if you feel like you just, you're weak in your evangelism and you, and you want to grow in your evangelism and you're witnessing uh, about Christ, I'm telling you the power of the Holy Spirit will do something radical in your life while you will see people's lives changed for his glory and his fame. And so let's just close with the word of prayer. And then as we do, if you want to be prayed for, just let the person next to you know. And you know what? We're going to ask in faith that God would just baptize you with this Holy Spirit. And we're going to believe that it's going to happen. And if you begin to speak in tongues, praise God. If you don't, don't feel less than. It's okay. If you begin to prophesy, oh, we're, we're going to get excited and we're going to listen to what God has to say. If you want to worship, so be it. Then worship God because he is worthy of our praise. So Father, we just humbly come before you tonight. <clears throat> And Lord, we acknowledge our need for you. Lord, we don't have this figured out. We need you, Jesus. And Lord, we need your power from on high to fall upon us so that we might go in your power and touch the lives of people, Lord, for your name and for your glory.